Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Hey everybody, it's Wood Talk number 204 for November 10th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about online etiquette. That's weird from a woodworking show, uh, but we need to talk about it. Fixes for cheap plywood and batch cutting dovetails by hand. All that and more coming up. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, first up, we've got Harry's. Shaving with a dull blade just isn't fun and razors are expensive. Harry's.com delivers high-quality razors right to your door for about half the price of the competition. Go to Harry's.com and get $5 off your purchase with coupon code WOODTALK. And also by the new ArborTech Contour Random Sander. It's a woodworker's dream come true. Get perfectly smooth surfaces with the tool's powerful random sanding action. It doesn't burn or dig in at the edges, and it fits into any standard angle grinder. Watch the tool in action and available now now online at ArborTechUSA.com. Some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together. Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at FestoolUSA.com. And we'd also like to thank David Watson and Jeffrey Kibler. Both supported us with uh, donations. And you could do that too at woodtalkshow.com. Left-hand column, you'll see links for recurring donations in small amounts or one-time donation if that's what you want to do. And we always appreciate that kind of support. So let's see what's I think on. we should call him Jeffrey Kibler. Kibler, like I'm, the cookies? Yeah, I'm kind of hungry right now. I think so. maybe he's like a little elf. Hangs out in maybe. a tree. Maybe send us cookies. (laughs) Let us know. We'd uh, like to taste your cookies. And now that we've offended them and he's pulled back his donation. (laughs) Sorry, can can they do that? Can they pull that back? Um, (laughs) All right, so let's go into what's on the bench. Um, Not a whole lot of woodworking for me, but I did go to BlizzCon. That's not a great uh, way to connect those two things, but um, <laughs> I was really, really wondering how you were going to do that. I did go to a gaming convention. Uh, yeah, so I went to BlizzCon. Now, here's the cool thing. This is one of those, like, you know, uh, it's real geeky, definitely a geeky event. Had a blast, but the thing, there is a woodworking tie-in here. They have stages where they have their competitions, and one of the games is called Hearthstone, and it's really you know, like like a, the name Hearthstone invokes the image of a of an inn. You know, where you're actually sitting there enjoying a nice a mug of ale and uh, playing some sort of game. So what they have is this whole stage set up to look like uh, one of the inns from in, inside of the game, uh, World of Warcraft. Absolutely stunning. And you know, with set design, things are meant to look good from about 50 to 100 feet away. And then you get up close and you realize, okay, this is made from foam and cardboard. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so I was really, really impressed. Absolutely beautiful set. And I got a chance to get up pretty close to it. And, and here's the thing. I don't really know anything about set design. I'm always amazed at what people can can give the illusion of from a distance and then you get up close and see what it's really made from. So this beautiful looking inn was pretty much constructed from like Home Depot plywood, like the cheapest plywood you could find. Uh, because from a distance, once you throw a, a cheap stain on it, it really shows the wood grain from afar, which, you know, for fine furniture, we may not want to see that much detail up close because you're really looking at it close. Uh, but sitting in that environment in an audience from far away, that extra texture and the rough sanding and all that stuff leads it to look a little bit more natural Uh, and just ways that they dealt with things like there were lengths of boards that were longer than eight feet. And what do you do? You know, and that's a really tough thing. If you're actually building fine furniture, how do you extend a piece of plywood another six inches without having an obvious joint? Well, it doesn't matter on stage design. You don't need to worry about it. Um, But it was really cool getting up close and seeing the joints that they uh, use. Most of it's much simpler uh, than I would think. And if I were like challenged with designing and building that, it would be way overbuilt 
you know, for, for where my brain goes <laughs> with this stuff, I would be fired in about five seconds on a, on a job site like that. So, well, you know, it's funny because uh, Samantha's old studio that she had uh, a couple of years ago at the opposite end of the hall was a set designer. Mm-hmm. And that was the exact same thing. I'd watch some of the stuff coming out there. I'm like, is that the Taj Mahal? How, <laughs> right? how did he do That's insane. How did he fit that in there? And you're right. Cause it's just like one of those things. Like I would look at those and in my mind, I'm already overcompensating for something as simple as what he probably just hot glued to the f- cover of it. And I'm just like, yeah. no, 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 you can't do that. You have to do it this way and do it this way. And just like oftentimes we'll have people ask us questions like, well, don't you have to do it in X, Y, Z? And we're like, no, you just do a we're done and that's pretty much the way that this gentleman as things are going on to the large elevator is just looking at me like i can already see that you're over processing this so stop totally yeah and it's it's a get or done sort of attitude but in a very positive and efficient way like there is no weak there is no answer no like you you can absolutely build anything and everything uh but the way that i would do it would just be so overcomplicated. <laughs> so yeah, i took a i took a set design class in college and my solution to anything that looked bad was more fog machine <laughs> you know, that was that was my over my all encompassing brush yeah, just more fog machine when in doubt but, obscure the view yeah. I like that. Uh, yeah. You so know, I was this spot over here. The light should come down further. You might just turn them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so totally impressed with that. Had a lot of fun. Uh, and I do want to mention real quick this Friday, we had to delay by a week, but this Friday will be TWW live 1 PM Eastern. Uh, if you go to the woodwhisper.com or our YouTube channel, we'll have links there if you want to follow it live. Um, so Nicole and I will be there to talk about some stuff and things. I haven't planned it out, so I don't really know what we'll be talking about, but uh, stop by on Friday. You'll have a good time. Sweet. Well, you know, one more thing when you were talking about the Hearthstone there, I just got to put this out there. When that game first came out, I remember Nicole putting something up on Twitter or Facebook that mm-hmm. she was at Hearthstone right now or loved Hearthstone. We have a Hearthstone restaurant here in Muskegon. Oh, really? It's, it's my wife's favorite. So as soon as she had that up there, I'm like, I know Nicole used to travel a lot. Oh, my God, Sam, we should go down to the restaurant <laughs> she's and go hang town. out with Nicole. <laughs> right. No, she's in her virtual world playing video games. Yeah, and that's what a couple minutes later, something about like uh, a horde and then there was something else. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. She's in her game. <laughs> False alarm. <laughs> Hold on. Cool. Horde night is Thursday night. What were we thinking? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. I thought tonight was two for one steak. <laughs> nice. All right, Matt, what about you? Well, actually, I really did not do a lot recently either. In fact, it, it it was funny as we were going into the weekend, I was thinking, you know, we are really living the advice we gave a few weeks ago about just stepping back and doing <laughs> We nothing. kind of are, aren't we? <laughs> it's been really, really bad. I have got something else that I've been working on that uh, is really taking a, a lot of my time. But I decided, you know, this weekend, I'm like, I've kind of been burning the candle at both ends and it's time to just relax a little bit. So on Saturday, um, I ended up heading uh, a little ways out to go to a woodcraft nearby me and pick up some supplies for a project coming up towards the end of the month. I dragged Aiden with me and it was yet another one of those, dad, please, please don't embarrass me. I'm like, now that you said it, it's happening. (laughs) Too late. So so we we, uh, got to the woodcraft store and this weekend was uh, the uh, turning wood uh, pens for uh, veterans in Mm. honor of Veterans Day coming up. Cool. And I totally forgot about that till we got there and the place is just packed and I'm like, don't be surprised, Aiden, if somebody comes up and says hi because, you know, it's me. <laughs> and he's like, Dad, I'm the only person that's going to know you. And so, kind of a big deal. Yeah. I <laughs> kept putting that up. There's, there's going to be a couple here. Don't don't be embarrassed when it happens. Well, nobody came up and said hi. So <laughs> I was, you know, I said, like, well, let's do this. Let's just keep walking around the store until finally somebody does. And I don't care if it's a salesperson. I'm claiming it as a win. Uh, still nobody came up and said hi because they were so busy. So we got to the counter. Uh, somebody asked, you know, hey, I saw you were over in the pen turning area. Uh, did you find everything you needed? I'm like, oh, that's okay. 
I know who you know who I am. So let's just go ahead and take care of this. And I'll pay, I don't need the discount. Let's just dispense with the formality here. Come on. Right. And by that point, my son was out the door and like, forget this. I am never doing this again with you. So nice. That was the extent of uh, woodworking related anything that I did this weekend. Dude, uh, we, but we, it, we need to get you a T-shirt that says, have you seen my Patreon? <laughs> uh, don't, don't you think I walk around? I mean, I walk around with the, the T-shirt that's your brain on Matt's Basement Workshop, and I always make sure the shirt is wide open or any jacket that I'm wearing so that it's a direct shot right from actual face to uh, virtual face. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> and I do love it. Like You'll see the people like look at it, and they'll look up, they'll look down, they'll look up, and it's just like one of those. They want to ask the question, but they can't bring themselves to do it. Why are you on your own T-shirt? I don't understand. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so frequently I will kind of stick my chest out just a little bit more to help emphasize that, yes, that is me. Nice. Way to go. <laughs> so that's, that's about all I've been doing. Now, Shannon, you said that you've been uh, doing a lot of editing and you're going into test mode. Now, is that one and the same, two different things hmm. we shouldn't ask? No, it's um, I, I finished this, um, the videos for that picnic style dining table. And it was actually, believe it or not, it's the first time that I've actually done all of the editing after the entire build was over. You know, usually it's kind of a, you edit and release on the fly and mm-hmm. part one, three, you know, you're releasing part two and you're in the middle of building on part four. And it was, it was really cool. Like to be able to sit back and edit all of the clips, knowing like everything you had and being able to kind of, to shape the storyline a little bit more. I don't think I'll have the the luxury to do that very mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. but I did do that in the, the latest project in the hand tool school. It's a uh, pencil post bed. And I'm just editing and editing and editing. I've got God knows how many hours of footage on this thing. And I just told myself, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it all at once and release it kind of all at once. And I, you know, discussed this with the people that have paid for access to that project, that it's going to come out all at once here. And it really is a totally different kind of process. It's a Netflix model. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, And, and again, it, to me, I don't. I don't think I'll do it very often because what it means is I don't put anything out for a long time, and I just, you know, that's the problem I, I always have with it. Like, even if I could pull it off, I'm afraid that it doesn't pull people's interest in the same way right. as if you meter it out over time. Right. Well, it's the whole serial idea. You yeah. know, you stay tuned next week. Um, but anyway, I, I committed to doing it, so I've been. I'm about halfway through the the editing part of the build, um, and it's 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 really cool. But um, I got into the shop what yesterday to start pulling together some stock for the blanket chest I'm going to build next. And it it kind of occurred to me, I have a lot of tools floating around the shop that um, have been sent to me to not so much to review. I mean, certainly some people are hoping that I'll review them and, you know, (laughs) maybe throw some traffic their way. But a lot of them, honestly, I think just want feedback, the prototype tools and things like that. And it's like, it just suddenly occurred to me, when did this happen? Like, I know, um, well, both of you guys have been getting free stuff for for years um, just because there's all kinds of manufacturers and they tend to be kind of towards the power tool side of things. The hand tool side is, you know, Lee Valley, Lee Nielsen, and then a bunch of boutique makers. Selfish. And, They're selfish, those hand tool Yeah, people. that must be it. You know, I just <laughs> I'm say, always sending them my address over and over, <laughs> reminding them. 
I'm just going to say optimistically they have razor-thin profit margins and can't afford to send out free stuff. And that's that's fine. And I've never asked for free stuff. But it just seems like in the last year, a lot of these boutique guys um, have started doing this and, and sending me stuff. And it, it's very cool. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's awesome. But personally, I hate tool reviews. Mm-hmm. Can't stand them. Don't read them. Don't watch them. Just they annoy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's just years and years of seeing the magazines do it and, you know, Excel spreadsheets with data and, you know, this one does this and this one's worth this much. And it's like, I don't care until I can actually use it. So I do need to do some stuff. I mean, people have sent me free stuff. So I do need to to turn it around. And there's some really cool tools. I've got a couple of Nice saws from Mark Harrell at Bad Axe. I've got – actually, this one should be interesting. Remember how I've come out in the past about how I don't like guides, like sawing guides, mm-hmm. uh, the little magnetic ones? I, I got some you were talking about me. the Himalayans. <laughs> yeah. Well, then <laughs> so those, those terrible guides in the Himalayans. Um, wow. <laughs> It'll be speaking you wrong. <laughs> yeah, it mostly has to do with the wicker backpacks they wear. But, um, but I got some of those magnetic guides and I specifically said, yes, I'm going to try this because I've always said I don't like them, but I've never tried them. So I'm basically talking out my butt. So I've got a bunch of stuff that I just need to try. So I'm kind of going to step back from starting my next project and just spend some time kind of in testing mode, playing around with some of these tools and seeing how I like them, what I don't like about them. And, you know, I'm obviously going to try to produce some videos along the way, but my real challenge is going to be to make them interesting. Um, I just, I hate tool reviews. Mm-hmm. So, you know, try to maybe build a project with them, small project or something like that. So, um, certainly, Anybody listening has ideas. I'd love to hear it. But I'm sure the main idea you'll get is if you don't want it, send it to me, jerk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, <laughs> that'll be the first comment in the stream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what you can do with it. You can send it my way. Here's my okay. address. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean with that. I mean, I've actually I think I just deleted two emails that came in, and it was another one of those. You know, hey, would you be willing to try this? And you know, I am willing to try it. I don't know when I would be able to get to it, so I don't think it's fair to you. And on top of it, um, I. Yeah, I just don't have the time at the moment. That's usually the response that I end up giving a lot of people now is just thank you so much. Uh, really neat thing. Maybe you want to give it to me to give away to somebody. But as for a review, um, have you seen my reviews? I like everything. And then later on, I talk <laughs> trash about it. <laughs> well, I, And that's that's part of it is there's a real guilt there because some of the stuff I've had for months, like six, seven months that I, you know, I've played around with it, but I've just been too busy doing other stuff to kind of stop what I'm doing and try out a new tool. So it needs to be done. It'll, it'll be good for the, for the greater good. There you go. There you go. That sounds good. That's what I'm, I'm sticking with that. Yeah. (laughs) That'll work. All right. Let's move into what's new. I will start off here in case you didn't notice. And we mentioned 360 woodworking in the past, but they recently launched their website and you can kind of get a better idea of what their offering is going to be. And they have the, the membership options. Basically, it's like a yearly subscription option. And I believe everything is free for the remainder of the year. Do I have that right? Do you guys remember? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds right. So you should be able to get a really nice sampling of, of what they're going to offer there uh, before the end of the year. And then make a decision. You don't have to subscribe now. But if you like these three guys and you'll uh, be hard-pressed to find three sexier woodworkers, um, you should subscribe now. 
because I think it's actually a pretty darn good deal overall. The trick is you don't really know for sure. I mean, you have faith because these guys know what they're doing, but you don't, you haven't really seen the product yet. Um, so you may want to hold off if you're a little bit apprehensive about it, but I've got faith in these three guys that they're going to do something great. So uh, just go to 360woodworking.com, check it out, look at the free stuff, go to their uh, courses page, and then uh, if you're interested, go ahead and subscribe. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. They have an audio podcast too. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they have 360 with 360. So you can yeah. find that on their homepage right now. Um, I'm not sure. The first episode was a uh, talking about um, mortise uh, mortising machines and yes. the blades themselves. Yeah, hollow chisel mortising uh, chisel. So is that a, in iTunes? Yeah, oh, I see a subscribe in iTunes, so it looks like yeah, it is. Yeah, that's where I ended up picking it up was yeah. in iTunes. Sweet. So, yes. Okay, well, you know what? That's, so, that's, you know, a personal thanks from us to give us something else to listen to because... That's the know. thing. That is the thing because I mean, we've got us and, and Modern Woodworkers Association and Fine Woodworking, you know, right. so it, that's actually not that much since we do one-third of that content. So like, I'm just thinking, you know, selfishly, that's not much for us to listen to anymore. Um, the more, the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Although I do have a problem when uh, an episode comes out around the same time that a wood talk episode does, then I'm always like, uh, please, you're trying to like step on our area. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Come on. You know, get, and get a different release date. I will say though, these are short, right? This first one was six minutes long. And I think a lot right. of times just nice short snippets of uh, audio content can be very good too. So Yep. Um, and it forward. was a nice back and forth with them. I quite honestly, they did a great job of contrasting and comparing and going from there. And that's that's always nice because you really do get the different perspective. And since all three of them kind of approach things, I think it, I don't know. They, to me, the way that they were talking about it, they they definitely tried to approach it from at least three different directions. And oftentimes, two would agree, and the third one, well, good luck there, buddy. But it was still all great information. Well, three different perspectives, as we know, that never works, right? No. No, use it. Fights ensue. <laughs> what a terrible yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. And uh, that's that's it for that. Matt, you're up. All right. Sweet. Well, we have this next one from – I knew I should have just deleted this email because of the name because I can't say these. I'm worse than you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> they did give us a pronunciation key. So it's to meme. Uh, said, hey, guys, I came across this stuff called frog lube for preventing corrosion slash rust on my guns. And I thought it would be perfect for cast iron table saw and joiner tops. Frog lube comes in different forms, and it seems that the liquid version is more effective than the quote-unquote all-natural paste version from some of the reviews. Hmm. So we've got a couple of links in here. One will take you to uh, Frog Lube, the liquid version, on Amazon.com. And there's also a torture test video. Now, I haven't had a chance to see the torture test video. I'm always a little leery about torture tests because I'm more of a pacifist than anything else. But, hey, if it stops the rust. <laughs> that poor frog. He wouldn't jump out of the hot water. <laughs> exactly. It takes me back to my best friend and his frog, firecrackers and his mean older brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I would hope a little bit goes a long way with something like this. A four-ounce bottle is fourteen twenty. Uh, and I'm curious how much you would need to really cover cast iron surfaces. I mean, if this is normally intended for gun stocks, you're not looking at nearly as much metal. Right. Um, some curious cost efficiency wise, but if it's really effective, you know, that uh, bow shield T9 bow shield, a lot of people use that. That stuff isn't cheap either. Um, so if this stuff is more effective, then it's probably worth uh, the asking price, but I have to look into it. looks good too. I'm, I don't I'm get rust going, here. So still going with ballistol is, is the thing. That's the stuff we use at the museum. It's yeah. also meant for guns and you can buy it like by the gallon <laughs> for, uh, I should have, Look that up before I said anything, but it's not that expensive. Oh, well, I did the other thing too. Hated, 
He okay, did okay. rust that much that they're going to get so violent with gun-related I know. stuff. Shooting it. Yeah, and uh, this is non-toxic, non-flammable, non-hazardous food-grade ingredients. USDA approved. So that may be a compelling argument. Ah, uh, okay. Well, Blistol is none of those things. In other words, don't don't get a tub and a spoon and uh, sit down and go to town, right? Oh, no. Blistol has a formative scent. It yeah. stings the nostrils. This one smells like mint. So take that. Oh, it does have yeah, pleasant mint smell. Very never know, I never knew frogs smelled like mint. So does that mean people are out licking their guns? Depends on how much they've been tortured. (laughs) (laughs) They smell like mint after being tortured for hours. (laughs) They are green. Okay, moving on. So we just talked about how 360 Woodworking has a new podcast. Guess what? There is another audio podcast. No way! And this is, if you guys know the drunken woodworker, Dave Picciuto. Never heard of him. You might also know Jimmy Diresta. Never heard of him. Um, I got to admit, Bob Claggett um, was new to me until I looked up his YouTube channel and I was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I just never put two and two together that that was his name. But this is another trio. So there's some sort of trend going on where you put three people together in front of a microphone. But what's interesting about this, the podcast is called Making It. And um, just word to the wise, if you go into like, iTunes and search making it, you won't find it. <laughs> I did that too. <laughs> and you get a lot of very odd stuff. But yeah. it's, I think officially the title is Making It with Jimmy Diresta, Dave Picciuto, Bob Claggett. I think that, so you may have to futz around with it. If you go to makingitpodcast.com, you can find links to subscribe there. But this really is, uh, I've, I've listened to the first episode and I got about a couple minutes into the second episode. This really fits that maker space. We've talked about this before where there's kind of woodworkers and then there's makers, mm-hmm. this new, very hip thing. Um, you know, all three of them dabble in wood. Obviously, Dave is um, pretty much primarily a woodworker, but the other two guys kind of play around with all kinds of mixed media, and they are makers more than woodworkers. So I'm I'm excited for this. I think it should be a really good show. It should Definitely. be, you know, kind of, kind of the thing that I think makes our show work is we have very different perspectives on yeah. a lot of stuff. And from listening to that first episode, I can see the guys obviously get along, but they have really different perspectives. They do different types of work. So um, good luck to you guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episode. It's good. I'm subscribed. I haven't listened yet, but I plan to. It looks like there's two episodes already. So I am excited to have some content to listen to. Sweet. I'm putting it on my list, right? This now. is a good week. It's not that often that we can announce two new podcasts to listen to. Oh, it's because yeah. it's the holidays. We're heading into the holidays and people just want to give. Give, give, give. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move into our poll of the week. And I don't think we had one last week. So this week's poll is about getting what I called, I liked my title for this, getting shop blocked. <laughs> you get it? Uh, you get it? I do. Terrible. I had to stop for a second and think about a different version, but no, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, Tom wants to know what things are getting in your way of uh, getting into the shop and especially around the holidays. I think it's pretty obvious. It's a lot of family and uh, fun distractions from shop time, but uh, in, in a normal time frame, what, what are the things that distract you and stop you from getting into the shop and making sawdust? There's a bunch of different answers there. Uh, we'll leave the link in the show notes if you want to go and answer that poll and we'll read the results next week. Sweet. Sweet. All right, let's Sweet. move into our kickback. Got one here from Derek. 
He says, in episode 203, Jared had problems with resawing Sycamore and producing two bowed boards, which ruined his plans of using them for a tabletop. Could he possibly try steam bending the boards to counter the bow? If the clamping jing has only a slight bend to it to counter the bow of the board, he might be able to fine-tune it so that the spring back produces a relatively straight and usable board. I've never tried this, but the idea has been in my head. I doubt you would be able to get a truly flat board, but it could be really close. I think, you know, something like this, I've thought about this too. If you can really get it close, like if it's if it's a pretty symmetrical bow, you know, and maybe you reverse clamp it after you do a little steaming on it and you kind of try to bend it out. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I am going to say that it feels like you're going to probably wind up chasing your tail for what, what will ultimately be a not flat board anyway. Um, that's a very inexact process and you don't quite know where things are going to end up after the steaming and then the subsequent bending. Um, my other thing is, you know, for the most part, boards tend to seem to want to go back to whatever position they were in before, you know? So even a, a steam bending treatment, if just left flat, I mean, after the clamping process is done, it's not like you're putting it into some sort of, uh, joinery. Let's say you're doing like a bent, uh, a bent arch for a chair or something. Well, that eventually goes into two mortises that lock it into that position. Even if it wanted to separate, it's now locked in. Uh, these boards are meant for a tabletop and they're not going to do that. So it does, I would hesitate to recommend it. It sounds like a lot of work and a very inexact process and you might just be running in circles. So certainly well, not to mention that's a hell of a steam box. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're actually in doing order, full size order, boards. Yeah. In order to really steam bend, you do need to put it in a box yeah, for, yeah. you know, an hour. Um, if this is not just like throwing some water and an iron on the board to sure, try to make sure. it flatten out. You need to immerse it in, Steam. Mm-hmm. So now you're making, you know, we're talking about a tabletop here. You're making a box that's enormous. And then the amount of steam and the amount of water you've got to boil to fill that box and get it to the right temperature and maintain it for 45 minutes to an hour is, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, so it's a practicality you might actually issue. struggle to do that. Yeah, definitely a practicality issue on top of it. Um, so yeah, there's that. Okay. Yeah, at a certain point, I think time wise, I just kind of go, um, I could have gone to the lumberyard and redid this. I know it cost me money, but okay. Hey, you know what's funny? Totally has nothing to do with this. Our office is in a a different spot right now, so my podcasting like area is by the front window, and I could see in the driveway. And right about now, since it's an hour later for me, um, Nicole's going to pick up Mateo. Little known secret about Nicole, she does not know how to back up. (laughs) <laughs> and we have a curved driveway like a, a you can drive all the way through it and she's trying to back out and it's just a gentle curve that goes out in the street i think it took her three times of moving <laughs> forward and back to actually get out the drive she's going to kill me if she finds out that i said this but that for me i don't know why but i'm very i'm tickled about that it well, makes me laugh uh, uh, well then that's one thing that nicole and my uh 17 year old daughter have in common <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> i just I don't, I don't i'm not sure how she got to this point in her life not knowing how to back up She's like, I just go forward. I think think we need to take bets to see uh, how long into TWW Live before (laughs) someone brings it up in the chat room. Oh, crap. You are going to be so busted come Friday. Can we take the camera out and watch Nicole back up? Mark, why are they asking this? I could say 10 minutes into TWW Live, you're busted. Uh, You know, I could see if there's a trailer attached. I have problems (laughs) with a trailer because I just don't do it often enough. But it's it's just a little SUV. I got to teach her how to do that. All right. I guess, you know, when you grow up in New Jersey, when you grow up in Jersey and you have to parallel park just to park anywhere, uh, backing up tends to be, you know, second nature, but she grew up in the Midwest. So maybe she just never had to back up. It's all that open space. 
Anyway, well, now that I've set the stage for my divorce, I'm going to move on to Shannon's. No, wait, wait. We got Pierre. Okay. Yeah, we so have Pierre here. Up, uh, Pierre says, hey, guys, I was listening to episode 203 and had an idea concerning the availability, availability of hard pads for random orbit sanders. Now, I have not tried this, but since the sandpaper attaches using just normal hook and loop, it would be possible to DIY an intermediate layer sandwich between the pad and the sheet of sandpaper using thin plywood or even sheet metal. Just stick hook on one side and loop on the other to stiffen up the sandpaper. That way the sandpaper can't wrap around the edges of the workpiece. You could punch holes for dust collection, and considering the strength of hook and loop, there's even a chance it might not kill you by jumping up your face the first time you turn it on. <laughs> uh, I'm, no. Uh, I'm going to pass on you this You just veto one, that or what? <laughs> uh, if you feel like trying it, I say go for it. Please send me the autopsy pictures. I'm really curious to see how it lands. <laughs> I don't know. This doesn't sound too bad. It's just no, like it, an auxiliary it, piece of the you know material put on there. So right, yeah. No, I'm 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 giving more lip service to that than anything else. But it's definitely again, this is one of those things where I keep looking at things, going, ah, do I really, 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 really need to do this? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can't find, I mean, that's the problem. And I'm glad we got some of this feedback, is because there really isn't a Dewalt branded hard pad. You know, right. so there it's a DIY solution. Sounds pretty compelling. But Shannon, you got one that's actually a product. The question is whether it fits to Walt. Yeah, this is um, Walter, both from Walter and Michael. I don't know if they sent it together or separately uh, or no, what. Se- separately, but they both essentially said the same thing. All right. They found that Bosch does, in fact, have a hard sanding pad. Um, neither of them is really sure if it's compatible with DeWalt, but uh, we will include a link to that. And uh Someone should go try it. And if it's not compatible, it's Matt's fault. <laughs> Always well, blame Matt. Shannon, just use it in your shop. I imagine you've got a lot of power sanders. It's going to work with his sander, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. His it, hand. It, it fits perfectly. <laughs> Is it that treadle sander that you made from your uh, friend's shrub? <laughs> <laughs> friend's shrub. I went hunting for a shrubbery. Went from the neighbor's tree to his friend's shrub. Nice. All right, well, let's take a quick sponsor break. I mentioned earlier, harrys.com. Uh, really good company. I really like these guys. Um, you know, I don't really shave all that often, but when I do, I'm usually greeted with a nice doll blade because I'm too cheap to replace it. So I've got to head to the store and I usually pay around $4 a blade. And what it's got me thinking is about the people who have to shave every day. That's like hundreds of dollars a year just for shaving. And imagine how much wood you could buy with that money if you didn't have to buy stupid razors. Uh, fortunately, Harry's.com is fixing that problem for us. They provide high-quality razors for about half the price of big brands, and they actually make their own razors in Germany. They're engineered for sharpness and high performance, and best of all, they ship them for free right to your door. Now, Harry's sent each of us a kit a couple of months ago, and glad to report that mine's still working out great. Even tried their new foaming shave gel, which I kind of like better than the creams. I find that the, the foam gel rinses better from between the blades. The cream takes a little longer to rinse out, uh, which is kind of a pain in the butt. So I like that a lot better. And I know you two guys both have kits as well and shave. Well, I would imagine both of you shave a little bit more than I do. Even Matt, with your grizzly beard, you shave some of the other areas. So how's the kit holding up for you? Let's uh, not hear about Matt shaving his other areas. <laughs> They're all above the neck, gentlemen. Let's okay, keep it cool. kind of Settle clean-ish. down. 
Like, just keep it murky. That's all we need to do. Uh, it's actually worked out really good for me, though. I haven't had to use quite nearly as much of the, the shaving gel, but where I do use it, I am getting really great results from it. Very happy with it. And uh, the I still really like the shaving cream. I mean, I'm probably going to have this for a couple of years because I use so little of it on these tiny little areas. Uh, but it works out fantastic, and, and Sam really enjoys snuggling in there and sniffing it. Nice. Oh, choking back so many responses. I it's, know. It's hard, I, right? I had a long list of ones to see where you would bite. <laughs> well, nobody you should say nothing more than the fact that since I got my first kit, I have gone back and bought more razors because I do have to shave every day. Nice. And uh, I went through the initial set they sent us and I liked them so much I bought more. So nice. there you go. Good. Good deal. I even used their aftershave today. And uh, snuck up behind Nicole, scared the crap out of her, out of her, and totally ruined the moment where I was just like going to do the "Hey, what's up?" you know. And she gave me this look like I had just uh, stepped on a cat behind her. Sixty percent of the time, of, you get hit. Yeah, you accused her of not being able to back up. <laughs> That's coming later. I better use double aftershave <laughs> for that. Uh, so yeah. Good stuff. Um, now, if you haven't heard yet, this I think we mentioned it last time too. Uh, this month is Movember, where dudes tend to grow much facial hair uh, and beards to raise awareness on men's health issues. It's kind of funny to watch, uh, but it's for a good cause. So Harry's is making a donation to the Movember Fund to show their support. So you can feel even better about your purchase knowing that Harry's is also supporting a great charity effort. Go to harrys.com to get $5 off your first purchase with coupon code WOODTALK and support Movember. That's five bucks off your first purchase only at Harry's. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter that coupon code WOODTALK at checkout. We'd like to thank Harry's for their support. We really appreciate it. And, you, you uh, know, it just occurs to me, I didn't use that? the coupon code when I bought more reasons. Oh, you dummy. Oh, I didn't even use their own coupon code. You dumb, ah. dumb. <laughs> All right. Well, next time you'll have to use it. Five bucks off. That's pretty good. All right. Let's jump into some email. I've got one here from Joe. We all know Joe. Uh, he does the Reddit forum, right? Yeah. Moderates the Reddit forum. Uh, I'm assuming it's him. It just says Joe here. He says, I struggle with this myself while moderating a large internet forum for woodworking. Being an expert, do you feel the, do you feel responsibility to point out obvious violations of best practices? Well, first, let me point out, Joe, that I don't think either of the three of us claim to be experts in anything. Uh, uh, en- no. Enthusiasts, certainly, and we have skill in certain areas. Experts, no. Uh, pers- well, maybe I'm wrong. I'm speaking for both of you. Do either one of you consider yourself an expert? Uh, I'm really good at putting uh, marks in the cushions, or uh, indentations in the cushions but indentations. on long weekends. <laughs> I'm, I'm an expert sandwich maker. Okay, good. I'm an expert procrastinator. Uh, mm. Personally, I try, he, though, back to Joe's comment, personally, I try to let things go. However, when I see someone demonstrating techniques that are unsafe to the point of being negligent or using construction methods with a guaranteed failure rate, like framing solid wood tops or panels, I do feel the need to call it out, especially when the post or video is getting a lot of traction and others are clearly paying attention to it and trying to learn from it. I don't, uh, I don't want to, and I wouldn't say that I'm an expert by any means, but if something demonstrated is obviously wrong, dangerous, or will lead to failure, I feel the need to. All right, so I can say for me personally, I kind of most times will keep my mouth shut only because I don't find the internet to be a very hospitable place for, um, you know, discourse on things like this. Um, a lot of a lot of times you go to a video where unsafe practices are being used and you make a mention of it, you will be hammered by the rest of the community who thinks it's perfectly fine to do it that way. So you'll find out the hard way that it's not a, a great thing to do. But in a in a sort of closed environment, well, I say it's, it's open, but it's sort of a specific forum um, that you might see a lot of the same faces over and over. 
over, uh, you might have to walk a little bit more gently there in, in what you say and how you say it. So, um, hold on a second. Got a little thing prepared here. I thought it would be fun if we looked at a scenario and, uh, you know, because in my opinion, I think everyone could use every form, every online environment can use a little bit more, let's say, decorum. A little bit goes a long way. And I wanted to share a scenario with you and we'll give two comments and we'll see which one is better. You know, which one actually sounds like it's more conducive to a positive environment. All right. You guys, mm. you guys ready for this? I think so. All right. Yeah. I, I yeah. do this. All right. Someone posts a picture of a solid wood panel. It's framed in another solid wood frame. Right. So it's a frame and panel, but there's no room for wood movement. That's the situation. And he's like, hey, look what I made. The first commenter says, um, you do realize that panel is going to bust out of that frame, don't you? Follow the rules of basic wood movement. Just saying. Hmm. How'd that feel? That did not make me feel good. It made me feel really bad <laughs> just saying that. <laughs> All right. Well, he's not wrong, right? But uh, it's just kind of uh, it didn't sound very good. So let's hear from commenter number two. Nice frame and panel. Have you considered wood movement with your design? In the past, I've seen frames broken by solid wood panels, and I'd hate to see that happen to yours. Jeez. <laughs> Curious to hear your thoughts. Okay. Clear difference there, right? The criticism is bookended by a compliment and a statement of personal experience. Uh, the comment invites discussion instead of making the original poster defensive. So for those that aren't aware, this is what I like to call not being an a-hole. <laughs> and if we all practiced not being an a-hole, the internet would be a much friendlier place. Now, seriously, I know Joe knows his way around forums and he, you know, certainly knows woodworking as well. Uh, he knows how to conduct himself. And the thing is, a lot of people don't. And just the way you word something, especially online, is just as important as what you're going to say. And you can, you can criticize the crap out of somebody's project, but if you do it the right way, they don't feel defensive. And, and a conversation begins as opposed to uh, immediately, you know, the hair on the back of their neck stands up and they suddenly feel like they have to defend themselves. And all it takes is a little bit of thought and, and a little bit of social grace to talk to the person. So this is kind of me on my soapbox, hoping that the world will be a better place online. Uh, unfortunately, it probably won't. But uh, let's at least try to make woodworking spaces a little bit more friendly um, by simply thinking about how we word something and wording it in such a way that challenges them, puts, you know, let's further this conversation, but don't hammer them over the head with what you think you know about their situation. So that's well, all I have to say. Like with any teaching situation and every opportunity that comes up like this online, when there is something that you're seeing where maybe you want to kind of point something out, uh, any good instructor, the way that they usually approach things is oftentimes you try to ask a question to get the person to think about it and maybe think of the way that they're doing it and that there are other possibilities. So there's a, that's a really great way not to be an a-hole is not you know <laughs> just to point the things out. Just like one of those, you know, have you ever considered – I mean that's yeah. one option. Uh, some people call that – being wishwashy or everything else. I know there's a lot of individuals that love to do the, well, my opinion is the one that matters. And it's mm -hmm. like, um, not in my book. Very rarely is there only one right way to do something. There's a lot of gray areas in woodworking yes. and, and plenty of room for opinions and personal tastes. Um, so if you bring that knowledge with you into a conversation, it suddenly becomes a whole lot easier to respect what other people are doing and allow for the, the fact that you may not see something uh, that's that's just not obvious in the pictures, a justification for why they did something a certain way. Allow for that possibility, and suddenly the conversation is actually very positive. 
I always just think if I were to add my address and phone number to the bottom of this post, would Mm -hmm. I feel okay with what I just said? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That would be nice. We should start doing that, by the way. Actually, in in all seriousness, by day, I am the director of marketing for a lumber company and I am on social media representing that brand. And that has really changed my way of looking at things because you don't. In the B2B space or even the B2C space, if you're representing a company, you don't act like an a-hole. Because if you do, lots of other people are affected. So I'm kind of always in that frame of mind because, frankly, even when I'm me, I have a brand that that I'm representing. I have a business. So it's something – and I think is at the heart of what causes a-holedness is the lack of accountability that comes from the, the anonymity of the internet. Definitely. All right, Matt, you're up. All right. Well, this next one comes in from Matt. And actually, as I'm getting ready to go into this, we just did this whole thing. And now I feel like I'm going to be an a-hole with this answer. But (laughs) here goes. (laughs) That's okay. People know how to reach you. That's the important part. Oh, that's right. Well, in that case, let's skip my question. No, actually. So again, uh, the listener's name is Matt. And he says, I recently started building and selling projects from for my slush fund to feed the woodworking monkey. In other words, I'm trying to fund the purchase of more tools. In order to be as profitable as possible, I'm using less than choice materials. Let's hold on to that. We're going to come back to it. I noticed the half-inch birch plywood I'm buying from the big box stores has more visible blue streaks behind the face veneer when viewed at certain angles. What is this? Secondly, I just stained some, and much to my horror, found there are vertical lines going across the face grain veneer, which seem to hold stain differently. Is there anything that can stop this from happening? So this is the part where <laughs> I'm going to go back to that first part. And I, I really, Matt, I, I, I'm going to try. I don't want to. I don't want to come across really jerky on this and I, I hope everybody please understand this the, the underlying issue is what you confessed to there in the beginning of your email the I'm using less than choice materials and unfortunately this is a prime example of what happens when you're using less than choice materials now I realize for all sorts of reasons financial reasons and for maybe even just being able to get it like supply in your area you're sometimes limited by what you can use or what you can find Uh, but if that's the situation you have to kind of expect that certain things aren't going to go the right way and oftentimes if you do have the choice to maybe use much nicer materials, but you simply don't because you don't want to shell out the money for it, um, then you should have a certain expectation of how things are going to go. Personally, myself, the way I kind of look at it now is my time is far more valuable to me than it ever has been. And while it may cost me not just a little bit more, maybe a lot more for a a nicer piece of plywood or uh, a a different tool or something that's going to make it a little bit more easier for me to do, get better results from it. I'm willing to sacrifice the the money to actually get those results from it. So I know you want to build up the slush fund for these tools, but there's that part of me that's like you're actually doing yourself a huge disservice because you're probably spending way more time as you're already kind of figuring out how do I how do I fix these things. Unfortunately, I don't really think there is a way to. Maybe if you paint the surface, then you wouldn't have to worry about seeing the grain or anything like that. But who knows? Something else would probably show up for it. As for that <laughs> blue underneath, those blue streaks, I'm wondering if that's actually the adhesive that they use yes. on probably the super thin veneer. This is probably like tissue paper is probably thicker than the veneer that's on there. I've used uh, plywood in the past that was super, super cheap, and it was actually a red color underneath it. And I think I sneezed on it and knocked the veneer off at one point. That's the mahogany layer, baby. 
That's it. Yes, yeah. exactly. The red knot. <laughs> you got red the manufacturers, they use color glue so that they can see that they've got full coverage. It's kind of like that paint that goes on pink and dries okay. white, you yeah. know, that you can see it. What's more alarming is that you can see streaks of blue and not a uniform layer of blue, which tells you that the glue is not evenly applied. So uh-huh. the whole reason that they color the glue has just been ignored. You know, for even coverage is just totally ignored. Those vertical lines, those are seams in your face veneer. You were dealing with a very, very low quality, very thin face veneer. Very yeah. crappy plywood. I think what's interesting is is time should go into the price tag, right? Mm-hmm. Like the time that it takes to make something. So I would be willing to bet that he's coming out losing on this because the cost of a higher quality plywood, sheet of plywood, once you factor that over the entire cost of the project and you know to fix it you're talking about finishing issues which finish is not a five minute fix you know it's like a 24-hour drying time fix he's definitely losing in this equation when you factor in that time well plus you've well, got yeah, the whole you, like you're, you're you're doing more work to to fix the issue mm-hmm. than you are to actually create it or even an equal amount of time or even half of that it's still you shouldn't have to spend that much time having to fix it and that my other thought then is not just his time in the shop, but what about the individual that's purchasing this? And now they're like, uh, yeah, that's, that's okay. I don't know if I'm going to recommend it to well, a friend. Well, it's, it's crap in, crap out. And yes. overall, you're still giving someone this project. And if it's not your best work or not you know, decent materials that represent your work, well, that's going to hurt you in the future. No one's going to want more stuff from you. So you know, it is, yeah. it is an argument. You don't have to step up to the top of the line, but there are certainly less expensive plies that you can use that would be better uh, than that one. Now, let me step back a little bit because I think there are intermediate things that he can do. If he does get into spraying, he could start using toners. And toners are great because you're adding a little bit more color into the top finish layer, and it tends to disguise crappy wood. And not that I'm advocating doing that. I think you should use better material. But if you really are trying to hide, there's legitimate situations where you need to do this. Um, Putting a little bit of pigment into your lacquer and making yourself a little bit of a toner, just go a little heavier on that pigment and you wind up, um, you obscure the grain, but that's the whole idea. You're obscuring those uh, connection points and all the the mismatched glue and the thin veneer areas and it looks more uniform. So there, there are options out there, but I think the solution for this problem lies at the source. And yeah. while you're spraying, go ahead and dilute in some adhesive because that veneer layer is coming off. <laughs> that was I was just gonna say, I'm like that if you're just, seeing the glue underneath there, that's probably just one <laughs> one little swipe away from flying off yeah, of there. Yeah. There is this is not a hundred percent true or not a hundred percent accurate, I should say. It, um, but coming from me, you know, part, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. For the most part, the color of the adhesive can actually be a telltale sign of who made it. Um, that's not always the case these days because glue is be- manufacturing processes have become a little bit more standardized. But when you see red glue and you see blue glue, you can usually trace that back to Smurfs. a specific mill in China. Uh, um, I thought you were going to say Smurfs, but okay. Yeah, well, no, Keebler Elves. Keep with <laughs> okay. the theme. Um, but the the blue stuff and the red stuff has always been recognized as like some of the cheapest, lowest quality stuff that's out there. Um, not only the adhesive quality, but the actual plant that it came from as far as manufacturing processes. So it's pretty much a guarantee that you can do all the stuff to fix it, but you're going to get a phone call from that client in about six months to a year. 
<laughs> when the face veneer peels off. Yeah, it's See, not gonna be the, fun. the red glue is the one that I totally, I know we're, we're extending this out a little bit too long. I had a really bad experience with some inexpensive plywood that I ended up purchasing because it, I thought for sure, well, I'm going to paint it. It's no big deal. I'm not worried about the face green and everything else. The, the veneer can be kind of wonky. No big deal. But when, as soon as you mentioned that red or the blue, this one had the red glue. And I remember they delivered it. And I was at work when the plywood got delivered. I came in, I opened the garage door. Literally, there was a stack of plywood. And right next to it was the veneers that had come off during the, the stacking process. Oh so God. they were nice enough to leave them for me. And they were full-size <laughs> things that I could probably spend some time uh, applying better glue on to get them to in the patches where they belonged. But the, the minute I saw that, I remember thinking, well, you know, I what the heck did I just do to myself? <laughs> nice. The, the thing with engineered products, and, and again, I know I'm driving this out, but it's cool about engineered products is manufacturing has become standardized to the point where you truly do get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. If you find a panel that is cheaper, it's because a corner was cut. Now, you might be able to live with that cut corner. Um, you just don't need that, you know, um, NAUF glue or something like that. But it, it, all things are equal. Frankly, um, so if something's cheaper, it's because they used cheaper material somewhere along the line. So, and it's something to to remember when you go and you get that sheet that's like, man, this is awesome. I need to get more plywood like that. Go and look for a panel that's the same price. You can go in and say, I need this species and this type of grain face and this grade, and you may not get the same panel because plywood grading is probably more confusing than any other thing in the lumber industry. But price is pretty constant. And the profit margins are not that big that you're finding one person that's going to be gouging you. Um, For the most part, people's prices are pretty equal. And where you see they're not equal, it's because you're talking about a different product. It may be labeled the same way, but somehow it's different. So use price as your guide when it comes to buying plywood. Cool. We've strayed way off the uh, the (laughs) question there. So I'll make this quick. This comes from Sean. He says, I'm making eight small drawers with traditional half-blind dovetails in the front and through dovetails in the back. I have sawn and chiseled all the tails. I have two questions before I tackle the pins. Would you mark and saw all the pins on the drawer backs before chopping out all the waste? Or mark and cut the pins on one board, chisel the waste, finesse the fit, and then move on to the next drawer back? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> this this is i specifically picked this because this is one of those there is no one way or right way or wrong way to do this i have done a little bit of both um, when you're building like a chest of drawers and you do have multiple drawers to build you can get into this kind of batch method and first thing i'll do is usually gang the sides together and cut all of the tails you know with them clamped together so i'm cutting all the tails with one saw pass um I generally will still go and um, transfer, chop, and you know, fit before moving on to the next uh, the next drawer because what I find is trying to to batch out the mating part to the joint just leads to confusion. Um, you end up with a lot of different parts that you're still hand cutting it. And there's going to be slight inconsistencies from one piece to the next. So if you've got a, you've already got a bunch of tailboards floating around, and you can label them all crazily and everything. But now if you've got a bunch of pin boards and you label them so you at least know A goes with A, there's still these orientation things. It requires a lot of different marking in order to hold it all together. Plus, I find that going through the entire process in one fell swoop, you get better at it as you go along. Whereas if you kind of segmented it, 
you might get really, really good at, at the sawing the pins part because you're doing a lot of sawing in the pins, but you still maybe aren't that good at chopping to a line. So then you're chopping to a line all at once and you're, you're, you may end up with a whole bunch of gaps. Whereas if you work through the drawer from start to finish, things get better um, <laughs> as you get down to that eighth drawer. And I find that that doesn't happen. It seems like it should. It seems like if you sawed everything at once, your saw cuts would get better and better and better because you're doing it all right then at that moment. But if if dovetailing was just making a tail cut or just making a pin cut, I think that would be the case, but it's not. It's making several different saw cuts and chiseling and all that fun stuff together. So I find going through the process from start to stop ends up maybe that first drawer might not be as pretty, but the last couple certainly are pretty. But at the same time, you can do them all at once. Just make sure you mark them really, really well. Yeah, the so. way my brain works, I would want to see everything done in a batch sort of process. I just want to sure. like get one thing done when I'm chiseling, then I'm chiseling. You know, if I'm right. cutting all the tails, I'm just cutting tails. Uh, if I have that many to do, I'd rather see it all go in big batches like that. Um, but mm. I think it's yeah, a personal work method, I think, uh, plays a lot into it as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there are efficiency reasons for doing it in a batch method, and that's what drove me that way one time, and I found out this is not more efficient for me. Yeah. So yeah. the answer is do both, you know? Yeah, try This it. time, try it all at once, yep. and the next time, do it individually. Um, there's the also that f- little elephant in the room of this possibility that wood might move around on you a little bit. Why? Um, <laughs> and, you know, let's be honest, you're, you're hand cutting these dovetails, and even if you are, you know, super savant fast at it, you know, it can take you 20 minutes to do an entire drawer if you're really fast at it. Um, so if you've got eight of them, you know, eight times 20, it's 160 minutes. You may not be able to get to them all at once. Yeah. Um, That's best case scenario too. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah. I always think about taking this question. And my answer was just going to be yes. And then yes. we could have moved on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should have just stuck with that. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I like things. I like the way the conversation went because that's how my brain kind of works too. Well, I mean, this is where also the argument for, you know, power tool options tends to be a, a lot more attractive. Even power tool users like the idea, many uh, power tool users like the idea of doing hand cut dovetails, but there does get to be a breaking point where you start to go, you know, that jig with the dust on it over there, that's looking pretty nice right about now. Uh, Cause it doesn't get tired on the eighth drawer. You know, you, you still might get tired, but the accuracy of the drawer isn't going to change over the course of, of no matter how many you do, unless something gets knocked out of whack. So anyway, uh, all right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can do that. Just go to woodtalkshow.com on the left-hand side. You'll see some links for donations and small amounts. You could set that up if you want to, or, uh, you can even buy a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com and you can leave us a five-star review. We'll take a four-star. Threes, twos, ones, those are not accepted. I don't know why. Uh, it, it Mark just will work. accept those, uh, but I won't. <laughs> Matt's very picky. No. Um, and if you can, give us a nice rating just like Jeffrey Kibler did. And Jeffrey Kibler is also the guy that we mentioned at the top of the show for donating. I was so. going to say that name sounds really familiar. Yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. And sorry about calling you an elf. Uh, <laughs> so here's what he had to say. I've been a listener for over a year now and recently binge listened to several dozen episodes on a 12-hour car ride this weekend. The show is really great and it was excuse me way better than jamming to one direction and taylor swift the entire trip i don't know taylor swift she's all right she has her moments for sure absolutely not bad to look at uh i enjoy listening to mark talk about woodworking and i'm glad he found two semi-interesting people to wedge in filler material while he rests his vocal cords (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, that's that's why I wanted to read this. Uh, he says, all kidding aside, I appreciate the content, and I'm heading over to make a donation right now, which clearly he did. He didn't lie. So thank you so much, Jeff. And, and then the more you uh, compliment me and insult my two co-hosts here, the more I'll read your comments. <laughs> right. That's always the key to success. Just, <laughs> just how it goes. Uh, very cool. All right, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have comments, questions, or maybe backhanded compliments like Jeffrey there? That would be really awesome. You could send them several different ways to us. We have contacts all over the place. I don't know. I totally lost my thing there. Think about that. Want to start over? Yeah, no, I'm going to move forward. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. You can leave us voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at WoodTalkShow.com. Very nice. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Yeah. Sure maybe Mark needs to rest. Camera. Why, don't you both, why, why don't you both talk again at the same time? Because that always works out. Ready, maybe that's two, why Mark one, needs go. to rest. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 